0: This is the Saturday morning meditation meetup. Uh, You're all welcome. Thank you for coming. Uh, I record these meetups. And so if you have something that you'd like to ask that you don't want recorded, just let me know and I will turn off the recording while we talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Um, Otherwise, uh, in theory, the recordings go up every week in practice. um, I really suck at it and they haven't gone up in a while, but I'll, I'll get to that anytime now. Sorry about that. Um so uh and the way that these go is that uh we just people who have questions about their meditation practice uh raise their hand you, if you see the participants button at the bottom you can click on that and there's a thing by your name that allows you to raise your hand um so uh so if you if you would like to discuss something just click the raise your hand button and it sort of manages the queue for us so that everybody gets their turn in time so does anybody have anything they want to talk about
1: I raised my hand, but uh, I'll, I'll yeah. just, I'll just go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I guess I, it's not. I'm not sure if it's a question or not, but, um. Okay. So, like about a week ago, like um. I don't know. So, sorry. Okay. I, I don't know where to actually begin, but basically the like. So for a period of time, I could sort of see like there was like, not a real self, not like not a real like doer. But there was still this lingering sense of, like, an observer. And, like, about a week ago, that um, sense of observer, like, sort of just dissolved as well. But now, like, I felt that was pretty, I found that pretty odd and interesting, because when I was doing that, I was mainly doing, like, just, like, going through purifications. And I don't think I've ever had, like, what you would call, like, the cessation or anything like that before. So I don't know what it's very the state whatever the state is it's very interesting but like um i don't know like is this normal it's just like it's just weirding me out because it's like well i guess there's just a sense of curiosity because it just sounds different from like other things i've read in the past so so was this yeah was
0: was this happening on the cushion or off the cushion
1: it was off the cushion like it was um so I was like reading a book and then like um there was this uh so all my bodily sensations were super clear Mm -hmm. and uh, there's almost like a mental projection of them in my mind and at the moment i realized like oh it's so clear and i just sort of just looked around and i looked around and then i found and and it just dawned to me that oh there there never was an observer like um there's like this weird glob in my head in the past and that thing sort of um That sort of just like obscure things i think when i thought there was an observer it's almost as if it's like i don't this sounds very weird but it's almost like a distortion in like 3d space and like every time i go there it like it just like project me somewhere else and it would just bounce me off and Mm -hmm. i'm on my own theories of it but like uh basically it was off the cushion and i just did some scanning
0: yeah so So what you're describing is something that like they have a lot of words for it in the Zen tradition, you know, in the seeing, there is just the seeing and the Mm -hmm. hearing there's just the hearing that whole, that whole spiel. That's about that experience of non-observer. Um, the, uh, the feeling of non-agency is something that I don't know. Uh, Shula certainly talked about it. Um, and it's something that, uh, Jeffrey Martin, um, when he did his, his, uh, his studies of the of the of the various different locations that people land in, as a result of uh, awakening experiences, um, people who land in what he calls location four have that experience of not being an agent. So there's there's stuff happening and somebody's doing it, but there's no identification with it being done and there's no feeling of like being in charge of it. Um, I don't know if that kind of resonates for you or if that sort of doesn't.
1: Right. It it does. Um, if I expand, like, uh, so if my introspective awareness is weaker, it's sort of, um, is tougher to maintain. Mm -hmm. But if my introspective awareness is strong and I can see like sensation or any sensations or any thoughts or any intentions as they come up, you can Mm -hmm. sort of see that they come out of nowhere. Like you're not doing it and it's just being done. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, so there's that, but. Like, uh, yeah. So I don't. Sorry, I. Yeah, that's my answer.
0: Yeah. So I mean, the thing, the thing to to maybe bear in mind about this is that probably nothing has actually changed except how you're seeing what's happening, right? It's not like it's not like there was a doer and now there isn't or anything like that. There never was a doer, but now you don't see the doer anymore, or there always was a doer, but now you're not seeing the doer. It's like like, you know, should I just? Yeah, sorry this this thing comes comes unplugged sometimes when I flop my hands into my lap um so yeah, so I mean these are all what you're describing is all like very very standard stuff, and the fact that you haven't had a cessation does not mean that it's not a a, a real experience or that it's not it doesn't it's hard to say what it represents exactly based on some of the things you've said before. I suspect that uh you know you're you're either in what Jeffrey would call a temporary non symbolic state or or a persistent non symbolic state and and you know, you'll find out after a while. Jeffrey's number is usually and I think Chuladasa backs this up too, that it's usually if 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 it's still happening after a year, it's probably persistent. If it comes and goes, then it's temporary, but that doesn't mean that it won't come back.
1: Yeah, it's it seems to be more about just like my state of samadhi. Like if it's good then um then it's like it's strong. Mm-hmm. But if it's like, uh, if I get really distracted or if I'm doing some mentally um, intensive task, it's almost as if like um, I get pulled into the task and then the observer or the doer illusion is like behind me. Yeah. It's like doing. uh,
0: Yeah. 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 So, I mean, what what can happen there is, uh, you know, you have like all of the conditioning you've built up over the course of your life, right? And... Uh, so you'll have conditioning associated with various tasks that you might do. And uh, when you start doing that task, all of the, this whole constellation of conditioning that, that, that used, to be, used to be present when you were doing that task comes right back. And so if you're just like mellow and you're doing nothing, then you might be in one kind of experience. But then when, the, when you start doing the task, all of that other baggage comes along with the doing of the task. And so one of the things that you can, you can learn to do is actually just bring the doing of the task and not the other baggage. Uh, and that's just a process. You, you, know, if you, if you, you know, if you have a, a high degree of mindfulness generally, then, then what you'll find is that, is that that high degree of mindfulness will tend to erode the connection between the task and all of the other baggage. And at some point you'll be sitting there doing the task and you won't have the other baggage with it and you won't be contracted into the small self. You'll just be like, you know, in the doing there is nothing but the doing.
1: So, how does one like bring mindfulness to it? Because like I can observe it, but like, do I need to like actively let go
0: in that Uh, case? Well, generally speaking, my experience has been, and you you may your your mileage may vary, but but my experience has been that that um, when you're doing the task, if you occasionally check in, and you can use a mindfulness bell to remind you to do this. If you occasionally check in and just are like, oh, what's going on right now? What conditioning besides me typing? Like for me, it's programming, right? So me typing at my computer doing the programming. What conditioning is going off besides the programming? Um, And this is actually, for me, it's been really beneficial because like a lot of the conditioning that's going off when I'm programming is all the resistance that I had to programming. And so I'll be sitting there typing and I'll notice the resistance starting and I'll be like, oh, okay. And eventually you get to the point where you just start noticing these things because they're not as familiar anymore. So like when the resistance comes back, you're like, what's happening? Where is, oh, right, the resistance. And then your mindfulness comes back and you can release the resistance or, you know, do whatever. And, you know, to some degree, the way that you do that is sort of a zooming out. So like you've been kind of compressed into the small self. And so if you can just expand back out again. Mm-hmm. Um, and just give yourself space and kind of get, get as meta as you can about what's going on. Um, then cause you know, everything that you experience is a mental construct, right? I mean, including my claim that it's all a mental construct. Um, and so, uh, that includes your experience of being in this contracted state. And so you can actually like zoom out and notice the, con- the, the feeling of being in the contracted contracted state from outside and all the stuff that's going on and pick it apart. It's just, you just, over time you develop this facility with zooming in and zooming out and observing mental states and stuff like that. It's not something that can really be explained in, in depth. I mean, I'm basically just sharing my, you know, how it's been for me and it'll probably materialize slightly differently for you. Andrea's experience of it is different than mine. So.
1: I see. Yeah, so I can, um... I can definitely actively keep like awareness very expanded Uh and like, um, and while I'm doing it, like I can still like, it's funny, but like, I still see like suffering processes happening. Exactly. And it's like, um, the way I describe it is like, I don't know if, if you watch like the Disney cartoon, uh, Dumbo, it's like Dumbo thought it needed that feather to fly Mm -hmm. and then it dropped it and then it realized it didn't need it to fly. And that was sort of what it felt like. It's like, everything's still the same yep but it's like also different yep um but I don't know it's uh yeah I'll I'll experiment with that because I can definitely keep like awareness very expanded when I'm doing stuff except like um I just like when suffering comes up I'm like okay should I actively let go should I like investigate it should I like um poke around and like play with it or I don't know
0: Yeah. I mean, if you think about the sort of the agency view that you were talking about earlier, like the feeling of not being the doer, Mm -hmm. um, who is it that's going to be actively letting go of it? Right. So you might as well just investigate because if you investigate what tends to happen, this has been my experience, at least if you investigate, what tends to happen is whatever you're investigating loosens up and releases because it's seen by the whole mind and the mind is like well that doesn't seem to be working very well let's like undo that <laughs> it's the problem the reason why the why these uh condi- why these bits of, of dysfunctional conditioning persist is because they're in their own little place and they're not um they're not really being seen by the whole mind and so as soon as the whole mind is like looking at them it's like well that's not right and and it just dissolves so i see yeah
1: Cool. Well, uh, thanks.
0: Sure. All right. I think uh, Louis was next.
1: Hi, guys. So uh,
2: I the the last week of sitting has been interesting. I I followed some advice that I think you gave me, Ted, which was that I I, I thought I was over-efforting, which I clearly was, and so I I, I practice a lot of the 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 intent you know uh, release notice loop and like, just fully let go. I said, by intention, fully let go. And then, you know, if, if my mind wandered, I would bring it back. And, and you, I think, Ted suggested that I try and notice if there were like, if there was a pattern in some distractions that were, that were sort of like, you know, taking me away from the object of attention. And if so, then I could reset the intention, not only to follow the breath, but also to be particularly vigilant about certain distractions. Uh turns out that the distractions that are taking me away from the breath are thoughts about my meditation practice. (laughs) That is very common. Yeah, I figured that out. And once I did, then I sort of like, you know, set an intention to be particularly vigilant about those, seeing those as they arise early. And it made a huge difference. And also just being relaxed and letting it go. So, so it's been a good week of practice, but, but then what, uh, what's been going on now uh increasingly so is that the P- the PT is getting stronger very pleasurable nothing but but I can feel it more in more parts of the body with more intensity and with more duration too
0: uh-huh.
2: so so then here's my question I I think I'm in stage 5ish now I don't care a lot anymore which is good I think uh but but uh so i'm not really practicing like stage six like whole body with the breath or what have you i'm just dealing with subtle stable dullness doing the body scan coming back seeing so that's what i'm practicing but but then sometimes when i get the the pity i sort of like want to explore it and see if i can sort of like prolong it or do something with it and you know i, I read lee brassington sort of right concentration and, and sort of like trying and it feels so pleasurable. I feel a lot of joy. So I like try to stay in it. And it's sort of like, it's made it last for long periods of time that I didn't think it was possible. Uh, so, so, okay. So then, so then the question is, is this, should I be doing this or I should I just be ignoring the pity and staying with the breath? Or should I go into it and feel the joy and let it sort of like, uh, so, And and the last thing is I do this, whenever I've gone into the pity to explore it and uh, it's, it's been when I feel the attention's pretty stable, then I, I jump to that. It's not, anyway, so that's kind of like the question. Should I ignore it or should I keep exploring it? And, you know, I think this is not, maybe I'm not at the spot where I should be like experimenting with jama-like states or what have you, like the first jama or, so I don't know. That's kind of like the general question.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have access concentration, then, you know, you could just go into jhana, Like, and, and that's how you find out if you have access concentration, right? If you can go into jhana, you have access concentration. Um, so, uh, so you could experiment with that, but I would say, you know, if you're, if you're experimenting with that and it's not happening, then uh, it's worth investigating whether you, whether you have done enough with stable, subtle dullness. Because, I mean, it's certainly possible. Uh, you, you can definitely prolong these uh, uh, states of PT while you still have stable, subtle dullness. And then you're not really going to make progress, right? Your meditation is going to be really pleasant. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to feel like, well, you know, meditation's great. Why wouldn't I want to meditate? And you're just going to get stuck there for an indefinite period of time. So it's worth investigating whether you need to still work on stable, subtle dullness. Um, And I would suggest that you do that. Um, And uh, then because the kind of pity that you're talking about can definitely happen as uh, in stable, subtle dullness at the end of stage four. And it's not, you know, it's a, it's a dead end if you, if you just stay there. So I would investigate that. Um, if it turns out that you have access concentration, then, you know, go into jhana and see what happens. Um, but if you don't, if, if, if you're just experiencing like really nice PT, but it's not really turning into jhana, then...
2: Keep so what would, the, what would the turning into jhana feel like or mean? I, I've tried to sort of not read about that anymore because I don't want to strive for it. So I don't really remember yeah i mean is there a marker for yeah when does the pity turn into like the first John or, or what have you
0: have you ever stood in front of a fire hydrant
2: <laughs> i don't think so but, but okay i can imagine
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's like it's it's you're in the groove and and it's it's self-sustaining i mean i'm probably the wrong person to, to ask about this either jan or sam could probably give you better uh a better answer that I'm giving you, but, but you know, you should, I think if you, if you land in a jhana, you should know that you've landed in a jhana, right? It's not gonna, you're not gonna be like, well, is this a jhana or is this just PT? No, you're not gonna, you're not gonna ask that question. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. That's helpful.
3: Okay. Uh, Christoph. Hey. Um, so <laughs> I'm still, um, we, we discussed last, but we discussed the same topic last week, actually, um, it was purification related, like that I had a pretty, that I'm having a pretty uh, intense sensation in my stomach area, which is pulsating and yeah, really borderline hurts, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I've been trying to work with that for the last week. Um... Uh, and I also, like, had a very very little conversation with uh, Zolt, who is also here in the group. Um, and I have been wondering, or we have been wondering, um, at what point you should start, like, um, taking these, making this sensation your object of attention. Because I'm, I'm fe- like, in my case, in my particular situation, I'm fearing that I'm going for it too soon. Because in the last month, I've, I've been sort of like training to look for um, um, emotional cues in my body, like sensations that could be related to emotions, because I, I, yeah, I haven't been, really been feeling those in the last few years. Um, and I'm wondering if I may have, because of that, because I've been um, like, focusing so much on those cues, um, if I if I may have like trained my mind to to yeah to to just focus on them th- too soon maybe so yeah it's and another question I would like to ask is if it, if it is actually important on like if if you focus on the breath or if you focus on the sensation itself for the purification to happen because I think I think I read somewhere in Shin Zen's uh, teachings that's it's not it's not actually not that important because both focus points train the same thing like you're your training he calls it uh stability equanimity and uh and uh, clarity i think so yeah i was wondering if you had any or if anyone had any suggestion concerning like yeah when to switch to it uh, if it's a good idea, when it might be a good idea to switch to it, et cetera, et cetera.
0: So um, I'll tell you from my personal practice that that when I notice that it's something that I can direct my attention to um, and that it's it's sufficiently coherent that I don't think it's just going to evaporate as soon as I turn my attention to it, I do tend to be in the habit of turning my attention to it and exploring it. Uh, that doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do. Gilbert has his hand up, so he may have a theory on this topic.
4: Well, um, the answer is somewhat personal, right? Like, I mean, it's personal to each person. It makes sense why you're asking this question. There's often a lot of uncertainty when you are delving into, you know, uh, if not uncharted territory, territory... You know, you haven't been in a while. Maybe the last time you were there, it was overwhelming or traumatic. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what your question is is heading at, right? You know, at least to me, uh, that's what I, that's what I think. It's it's kind of like you're asking, you know, when am I ready to really deal with the purification? So, in answer to your second question, for maybe I should go go to your second question first because that's the easiest one. Um, it's very necessary, right? I mean, if you don't purify the stuff uh, that you know is there in your mind and your mind body system that's always going to be there um impeding sort of you know your your meditative development your uh, emotional expression as you're going through life like yeah unless you deal with it it's not going to get better right and they're they're um There is some that like can get better kind of in the background over time, but you know, there's definitely a huge place for, um, you know, to really actually deal with some of this stuff. It's got to come up. um, Yeah. It's got to come up in sufficient sort of force in a sense. Now, now I don't say it like, it has to be so strong that it's overwhelming. Um, Yeah. And actually if most of the time it's not overwhelming. And, and I think, um, you know, particularly if you just have, you know, some sense with it in moderation, particularly if you're not on retreat, naturally it's going to be much less overwhelming. Right. Um, you know, it's on retreat that, you know, th- things are just more intense, right. That it's more likely mm-hmm. for things to be so difficult. And then um, even more challenging is if you know it comes up that purification stuff comes up in conjunction with the difficulty integrating inside experiences um which you know to me that's like progressive insights insight kind, kind of stuff the, the dukkha nyanas the dark nights right well most people when they experience like the bad dark nights that like they're stuck with for you know months and years it's kind of like well it's because all this stuff's coming up together and it's so overwhelming. Um, And so the good thing about, you know, it coming stuff coming up early, um, you can start to work through it early, right? You can start Mm -hmm. to, um, yeah. So let me know if you have any follow-up questions with that.
3: Yeah. um, Yeah. um, uh, Yeah. in a way i'm very like like the thing got start like the thing started the ball started rolling at a retreat that i went to a month ago yeah yeah, yeah and it really made me freak out so that's that uh, i can really, really um, i really see what you mean um, the, the, the the problem that i see now is that it you know i usually like it, it's this enormous tension in my in my in my stomach and i, I focus on it and i i can like I can't, I have this intuition. I don't know where it comes from. That there are like emotions beneath it, and um, like I've made the experience that um, sometimes when I when I just ignore it and keep focusing on my breath, there's an there's an emotion that's being evacuated from it. Like there's suddenly some anger appearing, etc. And other times I have the feeling that. If I put my attention on it in a as meta way as possible um that there's there's some pressure being released from it, and yeah I'm a very <laughs> I have this tendency to be a bit obsessive and systematic and everything um so yeah i'm I'm just wondering which yeah, I guess it's just a thing I have to to find out for myself, but yeah, I was basically wondering what what's yeah, what would be the best sensation. Because, you know, Kuladaza writes in the book that you should, if I remember correctly, he writes in the book that you should you should just let it be in peripheral awareness until it gets sort of like overwhelming, until it draws your attention so strongly that you simply cannot focus effectively on your, your nose anymore, for example. Um, yeah, my, my OCD-like tendencies are like bringing up all these questions of like, yeah, what if, what if you've just trained your mind to focus on it? Like maybe maybe your, your focus threshold is way lower than it could be if you would not have trained your mind to focus on those sensations so much, et cetera, et cetera. And those are the things that are bringing a bit of doubt at the moment for me. But uh, yeah, I guess I'll just have to... to... Yeah. Uh,
4: well, find it find out. I mean, I could say a little bit more about it. So maybe this will help. Um, Kind of what's going on is, you know, like the default strategy with something unpleasant is to definitely tighten up, tense your entire body, even tense kind of your mind in a sense. Um, And then also to look away, right, to distract yourself, to not pay attention. And meditation, you're really trying to do the opposite, or you're you're heading in the direction of doing the opposite, right? Relaxing the body, opening up the mind, um, and also like you know, looking at things head on. But what happens, and and that what what like a purification really is, at least how I think about it, it's kind of like you know this this tightness that you symbolizing with my my fist, right? And that you're constantly like it starts to come up a little bit, like a little bit triggers, but then you. You know, you get triggered, by wait—you you, you turn away. You do something else to distract yourself, right? And um, you know, and, and actually, thought different types of thoughts, story making—those are kind of distractions, right? That's when you're thinking, um, and particularly if you're putting a lot of energy in the thinking, that's that's a step away from mm-hmm. the actual, just sitting with the experience. You know, just feeling the experience um in in this in in your body, but with purification it's kind of like you start approaching it closer, and actually, when you do you know start being aware of it like it starts to kind of open up a little bit, and then there is exactly what you're saying all this stuff you know that was like compacted in there um and it can at least kind of initially in some sense like kind of get worse right because actually you're just kind of unraveling stuff that um you know. For so long, it's been, you know, no man's land, don't go there. Like, don't even go there. And all of a sudden, you're it's like you feel like you're opening Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. At least this is for the, the exact kind of uh, strong types of purifications that you're mentioning that you uh, became aware of on the treat. Um, so, yeah, and and there are, I know you're trying to figure out like the one, you know, the one right strategy. Can I can I put this into this perfect algorithm? um no you can't because it's different for different people and and even for you it's different at different times what you need so there are things you can do so going back to the the you know the tight tension um you know that you're kind of repressing right and so one thing i shall say is like the fact that actually you're, you're even aware of it um you're starting to be aware of like the contours that there might be this this thing this tension directly in my body that's in some sense, uh, uh, well, that is like a positive step, but that is also in some sense, um, there's a greater and greater kind of um, awareness, understanding that, oh, I, I think I might have like the capabilities of actually dealing with this, right? That's, um, that's the only time in some sense it'll, it'll come up. At least part of your, 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 your mind is kind of thinking, wow, I might be able to really face it now. And, I, and part of your mind wants to face it, and there's still of course the, the ambivalence the resistance like no 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 keep keep that locked away right i don't want to be aware and then you're you can kind of waver back and forth but um as you are again like uh, approaching sort of that, that close fist and stuff um there are different strategies one like um you know sometimes just like having it really be, be in background and awareness is what it needs and you know it just kind of naturally uh un, uh starts unraveling dissolving and like it's changing and um yeah and that's that's good, but sometimes you do actually kind of have to in some sense more directive effortful to put your attention on it um you know in order to- in some sense overcome that resistance so there's yeah. Does that make any sense? That like some. It's it's depends because all you're really yeah yeah. The, the difficulty is again you're trying there. You're, there's the ambivalence, right? And you yeah, kind of play play with it a little bit. Um, and yeah, and a lot of it is just playing with it a little bit, having um, you know be gentle with it, and you can try uh, different strategies and different strategies will work will work at different times. Um, even in a given sit, so
3: yeah. Okay.
0: By the way, one thing that I would suggest that you might investigate is you said that it's, it's a strong feeling that sometimes feels like there's a little bit of pain associated with it. Um, and I have similar energetic phenomena come up sometimes. And I found that it's fruitful to actually just investigate the pain, not in the sense of like attacking it or trying to rip it apart or anything, but just kind of like looking at it and trying to figure out exactly how it's pain. Like, in what sense is this pain? Why does this seem like it's pain to me? because oftentimes when you look at it closely, the, the understanding of it as pain goes away because that's just like a label that you slapped on it and, and, and there wasn't actually any pain. Uh, not saying that to predispose you, but I'm just saying if you look at it, you may find either that it's pain because there's like some muscle that you're tensing, in which case, you know, that's some useful information or it's pain because like you've labeled it pain and then once you see through that, then it just becomes information.
5: So, okay,
0: uh, yeah. Jan, did you want to add something?
5: Um, yeah. First, a question. Um, you said like, um, you, you hadn't had like uh, these experience of emotions for years before this retreat. Could you experience like emotions in your body before the retreat?
3: Not really. Like I've, I've, developed into a sort of like a heady guy like i've always been in my hats i've al- always tried to, yeah. to to rationalize emotions away in some, some all okay. right
5: because then um i i know from tucker he always like talks about um three types of uh people yeah and, yeah i was on, i was on
3: retreat with tucker and yeah, uh, yeah. i identified myself as the mild delusive type yeah and um, that's and why, I, why i switched to body scanning and that's when that. Each yeah. thing came up.
5: Like. So, so, I think body scanning is the way to go, actually, here. That, that would, that's what I would do. Just keep on doing that because you're becoming more aware, aware of, of your body, um, which, in this case, because you are the delusive type, then probably is uh, the better strategy um, uh, because you want to have this body awareness. Um, so, okay. I, think, I think you should explore that and keep on doing that.
4: Okay. Well, and then one one thing I definitely want to say that's very good advice is just to add the little caveat that um, you don't have to just do body scanning. You don't have to just like directly face this head on, particularly if it's overwhelming or getting overwhelming. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I say that particularly actually, you know, having done a number of Goenka retreats where like, that's like all you're doing for sit, you know, uh, sit on sit hour and hour and hour. And um, with that, I mean, you can uh, progress super far, but then also actually you can you can kind of go like a little too fast um and then you go too fast and you're like oh wow it's too overwhelming and then you just you know your process kind of stops because it kind of get got too overwhelming you start kind of shutting down or um but so it's it is i think it's good to have um yeah body scanning is going to be good but then also uh you know secondary practices um i mean i think meta loving kindness like is a really really awesome one that um you know that just uh ones that are less threatening or, um, yeah, or even just like, okay, I'm just going to more focus on the breath. I'm not going to go too much into body scanning right now or just kind of relaxed breathing. Um, yeah, that's good. So it's not like um, I have to focus on this right now or, you know, the only way forward is through, right? Does that... <laughs> You know if you have like like a striving type approach to like i'm gonna you know uh kill this 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 purification or get through it like you know i'm gonna tense up like that actually works at cross purpose to what you're trying to do right it's uh you are fundamentally trying to kind of relax around it let it be accept it um and it the the energy of it, the intensity of it, sort of starts can really drain on its own, um, yeah, and then one last caveat to the meta even is actually one that can help lubricate things and um, you know and, and some people of course, like for them, the meta like you know uh, uh, even if the meta practice themselves like that's overwhelming for them, but you, you'll you'll have to um you, you do have to figure out kind of what works for you and um, to see what regulates you, right? What, yeah, and, and to, to make sure that you don't, yeah, there's no need to go like too extreme into, um, yeah, I'm going to deal with this purification, go straight into the unpleasantness. And, you know, I, the more unpleasantness I experience, the better it is. Or, yeah.
3: Okay. Well, thank you very much, guys. Uh, I'll uh, let you know how it goes.
6: <laughs> Ted, your, your mic's on.
4: Sorry.
7: Um, I told you you had your hand up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was waiting. Um, I have a really similar experience um, with, Christoph, with Yeah, Like you said, we were talking about this. Like, I have purifications or energetic things that are like like fit to a T his description. Um, One question I have for you, Gilbert, um, is you keep referring to things as unpleasant and uh, like this process of working with them as like something that's maybe challenging. Um, My experience isn't like that at all. These are just tension. They're definitely tension. They're like slightly physically unpleasant, but almost all of the unpleasantness is just related to this uh, conditioning I have to resisting them being there because they're distractions. That's the only reason that unpleasantness is associated. It's because I've conditioned myself to not want them to be there. Uh, but as soon as I start to focus on them, that's just gone because I, I've just accepted that they're not distractions. They're actually an object now. That's cool. Um, what do you think about that? Because I, it seems like thinking of these things as unpleasant doesn't even like, it doesn't really make sense to me. Or are you talking about the emotional content that might come up later with them?
4: I'm mostly talking about the reaction um, because yeah, I mean, it is the case that in any sensation, um, if your you know, meditation is strong enough, actually there's a way that there's an equalizing that happens, even what's pleasant and unpleasant and neutral. And actually then it it can, it can be uh, slightly pleasant too, or like really pleasant in some sense. Like if you're, I'll say if your concentration's strong, you've not. I've no. I don't always like that word concentration, but but yeah.
7: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense to me. Uh, my next question was: I've been talking to some people at um, Isanga who who are, view these things kind of more from an energetic point of view. They view them as just blockages, and they've. I've heard advice that um, suggestions from this framework are that you could actually manipulate these things by doing things like sweeping your attention slowly from where the blockage is say down to your feet and into the ground uh, or putting your attention on the blockage holding it there until it's very focused there I guess Uh, and imagining a balloon or like space expanding around it until it gets larger and larger and kind of like expands to infinity Mm -hmm. Uh, When I do these I get really acute like symptoms of having done something Um, I get this like bliss wave that kind of pretty significant like this is the most pleasurable feeling i've ever felt while sitting and the tension seems to immediately release a little bit like just a little bit it also seems to move around Uh, like it the thing that's pretty static usually becomes much much more flowy and less static as soon as i practice these things Um, i'm curious gilbert and jan and ted and anybody what do you guys think about about working with purifications from this kind of energetic framework where you actively do stuff? Um,
4: well, one I'll say is that I, they're, they're just, they're, they're tricks, right? They're, they're tricks, they're frameworks, and they can be very useful. Um, the only thing I'll say is, is just or the main thing I, I, I'll say is that um, they are just uh, frameworks, and I do kind of see them as tricks, like useful things, um, but to not get too attached to them because they can be limiting, um, you know, yeah. But, I, I, and I see the, the main thing about it is like you're, with those tricks, it's like you're, you're, you're trying something different, right? You're, you're expanding awareness, attention, um, and even in any of those tricks, actually, you're changing your relationship to things. You're changing, uh, you know, how you see yourself. Right. If you if you're expanding awareness, like a balloon, a balloon, you are changing like how you see yourself, (laughs) you know, like that that, there are subtle things that go on with every, any one of those tricks. Um, But they're good. But yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what I think. But other people might have
5: things. Um, Yeah. This is actually very interesting because um, I switched to like that practice um, at the moment. Um because um I also um well I mainly like um teaching get my teachings from Tucker so um this is mostly his views. Um but I also went like on the same retreat as Christopher Christopher um and um I had like um big uh inside experiences and um his uh view is that um when you have that um you want to integrate it in your mind fully and um if you have done that completely in your whole mind then you're an arhat that's that's his uh, view Um, and um to do that um you have to be um like reach your whole mind and some parts of their mind are like blocked because of purifications and, um, those manifest into your body. Um, so the, the, the meditation that I'm currently doing is exactly this. I'm just doing body scans and finding those blockages and trying to like focus on it and see what it does and actually really interesting stuff is coming up. Um, so, um, you could do that and experience with it. I know his advice is that, um, that if you can go for inside practice, uh, or get there, do that. But if the purification is blocking you, then do purification. Um, but I think his view is more like get to awakening first and then like integrate it into your whole system, um, by purifying your whole system and, um, also concentrate your whole system. So uh, this is his view. And this is what I'm currently doing. Um,
7: On your body scan, I've done body scanning before when these issues were there in their like contracted form. And I didn't feel like the body scan addressed any part of them because my intention at any moment in the body scan was to feel a sensation in the spot I'm looking at and then move on to the next spot. Nowhere in there is there anything about focusing on the tension. So, is there some different form of the body scan that actually has you working with things as like part of the instruction?
5: Yeah, I don't do like go to a different part anymore. It's more like oh, I noticed there's like an energetic, big energetic sensation. Just stay there, like there, like just focus on that all the time. And you could do that those different things um, you mentioned. Um, Yeah, so. You, you don't have to like go to the next if it's like a big energetic sensation there then you have found your uh, spot <laughs> so yeah
7: that's all I have thanks everybody
1: well I was I was going to jump in and say something too because I dealt with a lot of purifications and I don't want to make things more complicated but like I, I feel like uh, I sort of agree with Gilbert that there are like different tricks there's like Tricks you can do at the physical level, like there are yoga stretches you could do, um, yoga, like a flows you could do that could really help. And then there's like, I guess you could say more on the energetic side, like some people do like Qigong and some people move uh, energy with their attention and awareness. And then there is also just tackling it from more of the, um, the, the somatic side with their attention and awareness. And also just, um, dealing with it from the conceptual side, like, um, dealing with the, like, if you know any psychological, um, trauma or issues that you've had, you could like actively address it. And they're like, sort, I sort of view them as like different levels and you could like, for certain things are better addressed at certain levels. And, um, it might, I don't know. There's just like a whole wide array of things. Now what I don't know is like if you could just purely pursue one and one of them is good enough. Like uh I just in my experience I just practiced and experimented with a lot of stuff. But I don't know, it it could also I think there are times where also I, I thought um I felt it could also be a hindrance because like you could also get into this mindset of like, oh I just want to get done with this, I want to get this out of my system. And yeah, that that's a hindrance in it in it um in itself. So a, a lot of it is just really being like for me, at least it's being fluid and experimenting and like, sounds weird, but also like being fine with it, you know, like you're not trying to get rid of it, like this moment or tomorrow or like, just like let it be there, be fine with it and play with it, learn, learn stuff from it. And yeah, it's a, uh, that's sort of my takeaway.
0: Yeah. One of the things I just, I, I've been having the exact same experience that you just described Nate, where it's like, you see the thing and there's a tendency at least for me to be like, Oh, that's a problem. I should deal with the problem. But if instead I just look at it from the outside, like, Oh, isn't that interesting? That's actually way more. It feels way more fruitful. Like it, it, it seems to, it seems to really help because the problem with identifying it as a problem is like that little bit of conditioning is there for a reason. It has a function. And, um, just like, sanding it off is not really the right approach because then you you're left with with you know nothing to deal with whatever that conditioning was there to deal with whereas if you're able to just look at it from the outside and be like well isn't that interesting I seem to be you know consistently getting angry about this thing or I seem to be consistently experiencing this weird trigger that I don't even know what it is it just shows up as energy but you know there's some emotional thing that comes along with it or whatever just like getting out of that and just like looking at it seems to be really, really fruitful.
1: Um, Yeah, Yeah, curiosity (laughs) is like, is is awesome for that. It's like, hey, this is, this thing came up. Like, uh, let me play with it. Let me see what happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I almost think that one of the things that's going on here, and and, you know, this is actually reflected in the things that that I think everybody's been saying here is that it's like we're building uh, this sort of toolkit of ways to look at our conditioning. And, um, you know, that the toolkit at least my experience has been the toolkit just gets better and better over time. Like my ability, when I first started dealing with conditioning, um, in purifications before, you know, my finder's course experience, you know, I was able to do some fruitful stuff with it, but man, the amount that I can do with it now is so much more. And it's because I've been learning how to do it for the last two and a half years. And I'm better at it now. And I think that's, that's just the trajectory that we all tend to be honest. And as we start examining this stuff, um, as long as we don't get caught up in sort of that self-hatred cycle where we're like, you know, Oh, I'm doing it wrong. Uh, and We're just curious and gentle and, you know, interested. Then these tools just start to almost build themselves and, and the ability to look down at the, at the purification and see sort of, it's almost like you're seeing the structure of it, except that it doesn't really have a structure, but you're kind of, you're kind of looking at it from the outside and seeing it and giving it a name. Um, It's, it's, it just, it becomes more like, I've even noticed changes in my ability to do it in the last week that have been beneficial. So, you know, it's a process. Uh, Steve, your, your, your hand is up, what's going on? (laughs) It <laughs> did. Um,
6: so, yeah, what what you were just saying, I've been thinking a lot. I thought one of your favorite words is capacity, and uh, so I've, what I've been doing in my practice is uh, working on capacity. So I've done some I've talked about it here, doing some uh, formless sitting, but I've been doing more tai chi and working on energy and working on my breathing, trying to. Uh, tried to improve the capacity of my lungs and sitting up straight, and and just working on focus and being in the moment more, which leads me to then this other question I've come upon lately is when I'm mindful or in mega, mega, mega cognitive awareness, it's you're you're doing it, but then at a certain degree you are like that's you are like the observer and you're that, but so at some point it's like. Are you going to go through all of life observing or are you going to participate? That's the, you know, it's the, the difference between are you in the flow and you are actually, you know, doing or are you just, oh, here I am doing this. Here I am doing that. There's that. Oh, this happened. That happened. Does that make any sense at all? That seems, it's not like a big conflict or anything, but it's just states of mind I've been noticing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, one question to ask is, does identifying with this make it better? Right? Like, like is it more fun to, so for example, yesterday, Andrea and I drove up to Montreal from Brattleboro. And, uh, so we're in the car, we're driving along and it's like, this time of year is just unbelievable. Like, it's just so beautiful. And I was just sitting there doing PCE on, on everything that was going by all the time. And I was in this like absolutely like blissful zoomed out non nonagentive state. Um, but I was also driving and you know, would that have been better if I had been in the process of driving? uh, pure consciousness experience. Um, it's, uh, kind of hard to explain, but, but, uh, I can, I can go into it after, after we're done talking to Steve, if you want. Um, so yeah. So, so on the other hand, you know, yeah, if you're like, you know, on a date with your girlfriend and, uh, you're like examining what's going on objectively is that really the best way to enjoy your date? I don't know. I mean, you can examine that objectively and then do the right thing. I right?
6: keep thinking be... about what's what's my wife going to say about me being on this date. That's what would be my. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, so, so Andrew. You're yeah, it's like at a certain time, I think it's a balance, maybe just at certain times. You need to evaluate the thickness i mean you can say yes i'm all everything is signals including me thinking of of this it's the signals it's that or you can actually just you know if you you know we're, we're doing any artistic work or just participating in a sport or something like that it's like being in the moment so you no, know, I, I i appreciate yeah. that thank
0: you yeah i mean so actually andrea and i went out on the date on thursday yeah uh and, you know, we were just together and, you know, I was pretty zoomed out. Um, but it wasn't, zooming out doesn't mean detaching. I mean, zooming out, like like when I was driving up from, from Rattleboro in the car, my experience of being zoomed out wasn't that I was less connected to the world. It was that I was more connected to it. I was experiencing the mountains in a way that I normally don't experience them. I was experiencing the trees in a way that I normally don't experience them where, they were just like very much um, a part of me instead of being over there. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, it is possible to get into a depersonalized state where you really are disconnecting from things and, you know, finders course perspective. I, I sometimes think that, that a certain experience of location four is like that, but um, I think that, you know, to some extent also like that distance is just, you know, you, you, you have the distance when you need it and you don't necessarily have it when you don't need it. Right. So, so you have the distance because there's pain and suffering and you want to be distant from the pain and suffering so that you can recover from it. You can heal from it. Um, but then if there isn't pain, if there isn't suffering, then, then you're just there.
6: That, that would relate to my last point. I've been thinking lately um, about, sorrow and pain is a it's you know is it something to be detached from, avoided, or is it something to be fully experienced? It's uh is it um, you know Rumi has a as a quote about you know that he saw a sorrow drinking from a cup of grief and he asked him if it tasted sweet and he says you ruined my game now now everybody'll know that it's it's very sweet, you know, and, and uh, you know, do you – is it something that you should avoid? Is the whole point of all this to just say I want to try to come up with a system that's going to allow me to, uh, you know, not let a suffering affect me, or is suffering a part of being a human being that has to be experienced uh, to fully enjoy it? But I rambled.
0: No, I mean, I think that's a, that's a really good question, and, and what I – what. Just my personal opinion, I'm not trying to be authoritative or anything, but my personal opinion about it is that if you can deal with it, that's great, right? If, if on the other hand, I mean, I, I'm, I'm working with some people who can't deal with it. Like their suffering is immense and uh, it's overwhelming and it's, it's uh, dominating their experience of life. And for them, having some distance from the suffering so that they can um, heal is really the priority right now. But ultimately, the reason to try to heal is so that you are able to see that, have those experiences without them, w- without needing to, to to distance yourself from them, right? So that you can just be there, pre- you can be present for whatever is happening, whether it's quote unquote good or bad. Like it's just what's happening. So yeah, it's, it, but you, you, you know, I... <laughs> You know, you know, Gary, um, we were, I, I was, Gary was, was hassling me about this the other day. Like, why is it ever a problem? And you know, well, I probably shouldn't talk about that right now, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's a really interesting conundrum. Um, Thanks. Yeah. I, I sure. appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, there's your actual freedom thing. Yeah. So, um, Chris on the topic of pure conscious, pure consciousness experience, um, some sometimes called unprovoked happiness. um, basically it's, it's like this experience of just being totally present with what you're seeing and, and seeing your seeing how you're seeing it and not, uh, you're not resisting whatever like emotions or mental constructs or whatever come up around it, but you're not really engaging with them either. Um, And uh, so you basically put your attention on some thing. It doesn't have to be beautiful, but uh, if you do this right, it will become beautiful if it wasn't already, or you'll realize that it's beautiful. Um, And you just put your attention on it and try 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 to see as much as you can see about it, know as much as you can know about it without trying to put anything on it. Like any ideas, any conceptions you have about it, just see it as itself, see it as it's appearing to you um, and if you get this right uh, it produces a, a very uh, joyous engagement with the object which and it can be an awakening practice um, it's it's one of it's one of my favorite awakening practices actually. Um, so for what it's worth, thank you. Sure. So Michael, you have your hand up.
8: Hey, um, yeah, I had a question. I'm still having a lot of trouble with leaving my sits early. Um, and my goal has always been to do one hour sits. And even though we've, kind of gone through this before and I, and I'm reading a bit about it in um, other texts as well. Aakema has some good advice um, about not trusting your mind and, and the inner child, those things like that. But uh, this past week or so, I've been going like t- I, 23 minutes uh, some days. Um, and so I decided to do like maybe it'd be better just to lower the the time, so I can feel like I'm accomplishing rather than failing. So I lowered it to like 34 minutes, um, and I was able. I'm able to do those usually, um, and sometimes I feel like, oh, I, today I think I can can go longer. But maybe why do you I,
9: stop? Uh,
8: I get to a lot of resistance. Um, sometimes it's just like. Uh, oh, I'm hungry. I'm too tired. It's too hot. This or I've got a headache. This or that. Um, a lot of times, what what the final thought I get when I end, and I, I just started observing this lately because I'm trying to see like what what's going through my head is I get to uh, like a thought in my head that says I can't do this right now. It's either I can't do this or I can't do this right now. And maybe with a little back end of I'll come back and do it later and usually i don't so uh usually it's like i can't do this like and it's i notice that's mostly based on if i go into like a strong gross distraction or mind wandering phase where it's just uh not even close to any type of meditation it's just sitting there and then I'll, and then it's okay there was there was uh it's like you're not even sitting right now. it was complete mind wandering about something else, and I think maybe there's a there's like an inner failing feeling like okay' <clears throat> not working, so I can't do it right now or something like that.
9: I have some thoughts definitely I love to hear i mean it. I can't do it right now is a is a thought right i mean it's maybe not um, the deepest reality possible to see. Um, You know, one thing Tucker gave me that was really useful was just um, this idea of, I mean, he calls it strong determination, but really, I mean, the phrase is like, or the way he described it is basically, if the building's not on fire, you know, you can do it, right? Like there's, you're not, going to starve to death in another 20 minutes, you're not going to, um, I mean, sometimes you're going to fall asleep. If you fall asleep, then you'll fall asleep. It's okay. It's not the end of the world to fall asleep during meditation. You know, you're not going to damage yourself permanently in any any major way by continuing to sit there. And even if your mind is completely wandering, you still can continue to sit there and let your mind wander. And, I found it useful to separate that to say to myself, you know, even if my mind wanders and I feel like I'm not meditating at all and I feel like I'm just sitting there, um, I'm, I'm going to finish the sit. You know, I will, I will finish the sit unless, you know, the building's on fire or like someone physically starts punching me or something like that. Um, and I think setting, um, setting the timer to sits so you can finish is also fine, right? Like, I mean, if you can't do 45 minutes, do 30 minutes, right? It's okay. Um, but I think having that, for me, I found that training my mind to do the sit that I said I was going to do at the beginning of the sit was a really useful helper. And that let me kind of increase things over time. So I guess what I would say is, um, you can keep going if you want to. I mean, you know that, right? I can't do this right now for sitting is just a thought, right? Like it's not like trying to run a six minute mile where probably you can't do it, right? There's no major physical difficulty to sitting. So you so you so you agree you can do it, I think. Um, and I guess I found that having that practice of like, I'm going to sit for a certain amount of time and making that really be the focus rather than a certain quality of a sit or a certain, you know, I'm in the deep meditation, um, that was really helpful to me to go with it. I don't know if it's useful at all, but that's yeah. my thought.
4: Well, and one thing I'll, I'll say is, <laughs> this is this is a purification process, right? Like, and like part, I, I very much agree with Ted that like pretty much everything's a purification process, but this, I mean, it's easy to see how what's going on here is yes, something's coming up you, some, and it's like, you don't want to sit anymore. Right. And <laughs> before when you started, you're like, wait, no, you're all super excited. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to sit for this long. And then as you're getting sort of going, it's like, you know, some part of your mind, I'll say freaking out or it's something, right. Something that's getting upset and it's like, no, this meditation thing, it's, you know, it's it's not for me, I don't like it, I better leave, leave, leave the room, leave the meditation cushion, whatever. So I think it's helpful to see that, um, one, like from a process perspective, what's going on, and actually with this purification process perspective, the most important thing is the long haul, really. I mean, the fact that you're continuing to sit is awesome, right? Um, and it's important, sort of, as you're doing it to just kind of keep on showing up and um yeah i mean you're gonna fall down i you know (laughs) i screw up in life all the time (laughs) you know like i I set that intention wait i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this um and then you know something happens like wait no procrastinate or, or do something else right so uh this 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 is, you know, so right now it's like, it's clear that this is what you're working with. Um, and, you know, this could be, this can easily be, I mean, there are, maybe slow down. Uh, there are long-term implications of even just what you're working with, right? But the fact that you're working with it is what's most important, right? And just keep on working with it. And I think Riff definitely had some some good strategies to, you know, to, um you know when you set those uh goals to really try to stick with the goals, but then important in that is of course the setting of the goal right if you set if you if you do set your goal too ambitious, then what you can do that becomes unmotivating right so um you know that 's something very much to keep in mind so to don't push too far if it 's really like unmotivating yourself you're better off sticking with you know you were saying like 34 or 30 minutes or something. You're better off sticking with like 30 minutes. If, if you keep on doing 30 minutes, you keep on doing 30 minutes. And then, you know, to build up sort of your, your confidence, then you're like, okay, you know, after a long time, now I'll increase it to 31 minutes, right? But if you jump too fast, um, then yeah, you could sort of just be going in a way that's like in the long term, it'd be killing your motivation. Yeah. Well, the
8: thing that that I, I agree with on the, on the time is, I was I built up to one hour last year, and I've been doing one hour for 2019, mostly with with here and there. Earlier, getting up earlier, so that's why I was confused. Like I was was getting there, and now now I'm, would I have to take a step back? Is that the right thing to do um, to go? to drop down the time now to kind of build my confidence back up or reduce this. Um, maybe it's even just a habit of, of believing my thoughts and, and getting up from the cushion. Maybe that's a, a habit that that's been developing that needs to. Needs yeah. To kind of so,
0: I mean, the Michael, the main thing that I would really think about is uh decision fatigue, which is um, like if you are constantly having to decide to continue sitting, then that's a lot more work than if you've already decided the beginning of the sit this is basically what riff was talking about if you've already decided the beginning of the sit this is how long I'm going to sit then you don't have a decision to make if you don't have a decision to make then when the question comes up should i get up the answer is always no always 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 unless unless like you know there's some physical problem that you must address right now and you'd better be really sure that it's really a physical problem right so so <clears throat> really try to avoid, see you later Gilbert, uh, try to avoid getting into a situation where you have to decide. And part of that is, you know, if you're having trouble sitting for an hour, sit for 45 minutes until, until you don't find yourself fighting the decision thing.
9: Um, and then go to add, hour. Yeah, go ahead, Riff. Yeah. I want to add something that actually, which is that, um, I love that. I love that. Um, you don't have a decision to make framework, uh, but for me, working with that in the length of the sit also, you know, really brought up very interestingly that uh, the word "you" is doing a lot of complicated work there. Yes, because even though I told myself like I'm not going to get up unless like the building's on fire, I still, you know, many times the thought goes through my head: I can't do this, or I'm going to stop, or I should get up, or I need to move now. And so, um, it really is an interesting thing to observe, kind of the interaction between like how the you that makes these decisions is not really unified. And so right. I do find that overall the um, I'm not going to make a decision is a useful thing to fall back on, right? But it's not 100%. It's not totally automatic. Like the thought that there is a decision will still come up even when I have told myself there is no decision.
0: Yeah. No, what I mean by that is not that you won't have the thought. It's that you already know the answer to the thought. And and if, if you're able to do that, and usually I've found that you can, um, then it, it just makes it a little easier. Um, anyway, uh, let's see, James uh, has his hand up.
10: Yeah, I'd, I would like to say something to you, Michael, in a way. Um, so I've, I've worked with extending the length of my sits over various different, um, periods of time. Um, one thing I would say is I think probably everybody on here has gone up and down in the length of their sit at some point during their meditation career. Um, and it's perfectly normal. Um, The other thing, personally, something that helped me when I was trying to extend some time was um, thinking about it in terms of, you know, why is it that you want to sit? And if you can kind of deconstruct that, um, even if you get to the point of just using a simple labeling um, process to label stuff, arguably, it's kind of keeping your mind busy. But if you can get to that final bell, then you'll have that sense of accomplishment that you manage to get to the end. And again, you know, you can actually do it. And I think the way that you described it speaks to um, a deeper thing that a lot of us probably also uh, encounter at various times. And that's kind of being a bit hard on yourself as well. And, um, you know, I think that's, I'd be interested to hear in other people's thoughts on how useful that is, because I don't know you, Michael, but I pretty much know that you being hard on yourself is not what you want to do. And you also don't want to be hard on yourself for being hard on yourself. (laughs) Um, So it'd be interesting to hear what other people's
6: strategies are uh, when you encounter those sorts of um, instances. Jeff?
11: Yeah, I was also going to just add that um, if you view your meditation sessions as a chore, like I've often done in the past, um, (laughs) it's something that you don't look forward to. That makes it really hard to get motivated to go into it in the first place and finish it if you don't. And one thing that I've been finding that's really helpful is to find some physical aspect of your sit that's pleasurable. And you know, meta meditation is really great for this. Hold on a second. Meta meditation is really great for this because the feeling of loving-kindness just feels great as you focus on it. Um, or just you know, uh physically relaxing the body or even just conceiving of your sit as like a mini 45 minute or one hour vacation from the rest of the world. So if you can find anything, um, in your own meditation that you find pleasurable in whatever way that could help.
6: Colleen.
9: And I- you know, what everyone said just really strikes home. I, um, I was just, you know, going to refer back to the two submind sub models. And he talks in the book about how he, tr- they're kind of like little kids that are pestering you. And as soon as you give them attention, you know, they're, you're reinforcing that behavior and it's going to keep occurring. And so if you do give in to that part of your mind that wants to quit, you're, it's going to get harder, I believe over time to stop that.
0: Yeah. That's the whole, the whole inner child lecture or the, the, you know, sending love to your inner toddler.
8: Um. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds similar to some things that I've um, gone through. I haven't really focused on the pleasure part as much and, and viewing the meditation as a chore I've gone back and forth from kind of starting out that way. Then there was a time where it was more looking forward to it and, Went back to feeling like a chore, and sometimes it's in between. I usually doesn't keep me from not going into the room and and sitting, but yeah, there's the the, the stain the whole time. But um, yeah, I, I I don't see the connection with being hard on myself. But then again, I've I've been told that I'm hard on myself, so maybe there's a lot I'm not seeing in that regard. Um, but uh,
0: uh, yeah. Michael, until you actually experience negative self-talk entirely dropping, you have no idea how much of it there is because it's constant from just pretty much everybody all the time. It's constant at a low level, and you just don't know it until it stops, and then you're like, wow, where'd it go? This is amazing. Something that really helps me with that is thinking about what I would say to a friend rather than what I say to myself. Mm I'm a lot more hateful to myself than I would be to a friend. A lot of times, though, the negative self-talk really isn't talk. It's just like a feeling. It's a feeling of anxiety or a feeling of fear or a feeling of uh, guilt. Uh, it, can, it can manifest in many different ways. But, but any, pretty much any time you ever have any sort of negative feeling directed at yourself, it's, it's just a, a nonverbal kind of negative self-talk.
8: Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, really, that's really interesting, Ted, because I, I was going to say that since this past year and a half or over a year and a half that I've been meditating, um, negative self-talk to myself, which used to be very high, okay. dropped down very, very low to almost very rarely, pretty quickly. Yep. But you're saying that there's a feeling component of anxiety or, uneasiness yeah. or something that's definitely, definitely still there. Um, so that was confusing, but it's interesting that you're going on that topic. I'd like to hear a little bit more if you were going to talk about that.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I'll, I can say a little bit more about it. We're, we're getting towards the end, but just, just very briefly, I mean, my experience of, of, uh, uh, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the four stages of awakening, um, and you think about the fetters, that drop, each one of those fetters is actually a motivation for some kind of either negative emotional content or uh positive uh in a sense of craving emotional content um and so even like just you know i would like this conversation to end is a form of negative motivation coming up right and and it's really so so as you go through sort of the process of of um uh, meditating and eventually awakening and going through the stage of, awake, of awakening, you find all of these little ways that your mind is motivating you by basically either applying a whip or uh, a carrot, right? It's either putting a carrot stick in front of you or it's, it's like beating you up. And I think that the, the, the point at which you reach fourth path is when there aren't any carrots or sticks left. So this is a, this is a problem that remains with us for, for most of our journey but it gets less and less loud over time. And that's exactly what you described. It got a lot less loud, but it's still there. And it still causes suffering and it still creates these little bits of resistance. And it can be very powerful because, you know, if you think about it, like if you have a craving and you have aversion and they're acting in opposition to each other, and then you have some kind of insight that causes them both to drop, well, they're still acting against each other, even though they're much less powerful now. So it still can cause the same exact problem that you're experiencing. It's just, it's like so much less painful that it's happening than it used to be, but it's still there and it's still painful. Thanks everybody. Sure. Uh, So we're at uh, 22 minutes past. Uh, Does anybody
6: want to have some last words before we wrap up?
0: I'd say that's a no. All right. Thanks everybody for coming. Great to see you. And hopefully I'll see a lot of you next weekend.